Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy, and I'm here with Ronaldo Brudico, the Academy's president and founder. Benjamin Schwartz, our assistant producer, is also here at the controls. The World Business Academy is a nonprofit dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment that their work touches. We are recording this show on June 27th, 2019. And before we get going, I want to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org. If you have questions or comments about the show today, or if you have anything you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, or any podcast app. Just search World Business Academy. Also, I would like to remind everybody that we have a new weekly radio show, Solutions News. You can send us a note if you'd like to find out how you can listen to that. Once again, that's info at worldbusiness.org. All right, so Ronaldo, what are we going to uh, address we're, today? We're, we're going to, you know, I mean... This show is going to be interesting for a whole lot of reasons, but before we get into the pure economics of it, we got to take note of the fact that a year ago today, uh, we did a show on child separation at the border. And I really thought at that time that the amount of heat that would would occur yeah. would end that practice by now. And obviously it has not. In fact, I would make an argument that it's worse today than it was a year ago. And so in starting this show, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the economic consequences of our, our child separation policy, and I'm also going to come up with a very innovative solution that could literally save us tens of billions of dollars in our southern border enforcement efforts. Uh, but before I do that, I have to just stop and pause for a minute and say, we have built concentration camps. That is the technically correct word. Concentration camp means when you take a bunch of people who are a subset of the general population that you wish to concentrate in one place and hold them against their will, you call it a concentration camp. It is not a death camp. People don't realize that in Germany, in the 30s, they built concentration camps first, they then built death camps later. Yeah, they're two, two different things. Two very different things. And I don't, I don't to all my Jewish friends, uh, when, when someone uses the word concentration camp and it's accurate, I think you gotta be willing to say, this is not about the Holocaust and it's not about death camps. The fact that, uh, what, five or even now seven children have died this year in, in custody. I think in just ICE. in the last few months. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, that doesn't make it a death camp. I mean, Auschwitz and Buchenwald, that horror, yeah. there is no equal to that horror. But a concentration camp we've had before in this country. You know yeah. what the first concentration camp was? I don't, but I know the Japanese were interned. That was the second one. Okay. The first one was where Geronimo died, ah, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Yeah. So we concentrated so a whole Native bunch Americans. of Native Americans at mm -hmm. Fort Sill because we didn't want them to get away. Mm -hmm. And then Geronimo died in that concentration mm -hmm. camp, as did many, many of the other male members of his tribe. Uh, one could argue that the forced relocation, the so-called uh, Trail of Tears that President Jackson mm -hmm. uh, engaged in, was also a form of concentration camp, except there they didn't have to put up wires because they put them so far in the country mm 
-hmm. They could never get home to Florida. Mm -hmm. So you could say, hey, maybe technically not a concentration camp, but Fort Sill was. And clearly, as George Takai, the actor, said, mm -hmm. he knows they're concentration camps because he was in two of them. I mean, what we did in World War II, which they euphemistically called internment camps, okay, and they're calling these euphemistically what? Custodial camps. Custodial camps, right. Okay. That's just a bunch of baloney. What they are is concentration camps. And like all concentration camps, they are given to abuse because the nature of a, common, a concentration camp is to take away the rights of a minority for some other political purpose. So my observation is this. I, that's, unfortunately, I didn't think that's who we were as a nation. I thought we were better than that. I, I can't conceive that we would do this. And a year ago when we did that show, I thought, surely the public outcry would bring this around because this is being done in my name, in your name, in Benjamin's name, in our listeners' name. And that's just not right. It's a level of immorality that's so high. I am shocked that an employee of my government would stand before a three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit and argue that providing soap and toothbrushes to children is not required when they're in custody. That making them sleep on cold cement floors without mattresses is not that's okay in custody. That it's okay to leave lights on all night, which is a torture technique, as one of the jobs observed, is not okay. Uh, that the food they're being given is totally inadequate, is not okay. And that the lawyers who went through to inspect Clint, Texas, which is what we're talking about, that realized that there were dirty diapers, filthy clothing, um, head lice, and when head lice starts, it populates. Oh yeah, quickly. it gets it gets everywhere. Gets everywhere. So what we're doing to children to children in our name is absolutely unconscionable. And the thing I don't understand is why aren't we having demonstrations every Sunday all across the land mm -hmm. with our pitchforks and our, and, our, and, our, and our torches saying, wait a minute, this is not our government. So for some reason, it's so overwhelming. The evil of this administration is so overwhelming. It's almost like it's traumatized us mm -hmm. into inaction. So I just want to point out to people, not only is this unbelievably outrageously unacceptable, not only is it that, it's also really financially stupid. Mm -hmm. So you've got several layers of pushback that are happening right now. You've got the, the ICE agents who are saying that the administration is giving them impossible orders to fulfill. They're, they're literally swearing in print with the Anglo-Saxon witticism talking about what Trump is doing. They have no ability to pull this off. They know they can't go out and arrest and, and I think that's is linked to all of the, the layoffs and firings and res resignations that we had <coughs> at, the in, at the top of that. Because nobody, they say, we can't do this. And they say, well, okay, you're out of here. Let's yeah. find somebody who says we can. And then he, and then he hires back as his immigration czar, that guy Hormon, whatever his name is, who he fired already once, yeah. right? So I think the whole, the whole um, idea is so fraught with moral peril, I shudder to put an economic analysis to it. However, in this case, I will, because the economics are overwhelmingly in favor of the humane solution. What's the solution? It's actually quite simple. We start following the law. Uh, Udi Castro last night pointed out, and I think it's section 1329, which is the statute he wants repealed, um, basically makes it criminal to cross the U.S. border. It mm -hmm. used to be a civil issue. Right. It's been... It most of the most of the time, it's been civil. If it's which if, it should if, be. if it's been prosecuted, which at all. it should right. be, right? So because because we over incarcerate in this country, we have the most people in jail of any country in the world. That's in total numbers, but we also have as the largest as a percentage of population is overwhelming. And we, we have twenty five percent of the incarcerated people on the, on the planet. We only got five percent of the population. Yes. I mean, we're jail crazy here. We jail blacks and browns disproportionately for uh, minor drug offenses. Mm -hmm. 
we, I mean, we, we basically jail anybody who can't afford to play in the system with a good lawyer. That's why justice is blind. We used to think it was blind. It meant that justice would give equal handed, equal handed to both. No, best lawyer wins. <laughs> it's that simple. And if you got a lot of money, you're never going to pay the price. Uh, or as Cory Booker noted the other night on the debate, um, not one executive, particularly looking at Purdue, has gone to jail or been held liable even financially yet for causing, intentionally causing, the opioid crisis that this country is suffering from, and that's cost us billions and billions of dollars in treasure and tens of thousands of lives. And why is that? Had I gone into a bank and shot one person, I'd be uh, in, 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 in Texas, I'd be uh, given uh, lethal injection. In California, I'd be spending the rest of my life in jail with no possibility of parole. I, I, I saw a figure yesterday that there's a woman in Texas who had a $12,000 bail set because she shoplifted $2. Yeah. So, so and she was stuck in prison. Oh, and because, by the way, which you know, raises in, like, in a future show, I want to go into the economic impacts and the humanitarian impacts of putting women in jail with children for minor offenses. Mm -hmm. And what that does not only to the women, what it does to the children. Because these children that we're, we're incarcerating down here on the border, they're going to be dealing with this for the rest of their oh, lives. Oh, yeah. The trauma, it, it, it's a lifetime. It's, it's a, a lifetime, lifetime curse. curse. Now, what's the solution? Well, the solution, which is really kind of lovely, is if you make it a civil issue, meaning it is not criminal, and someone comes to the border and presents themselves, which they're all willing to do. The reason that man and his daughter drowned is because they were rejected at a border crossing point. Okay, we should be accepting everybody who walks to a border crossing point and saying, come on right in. Uh, we put in a machine that will do an iris scan of their eyes and a fingerprint. So biometric. Biometric identification. identification. And the fingerprints now are, as you know, very quick because you can use an electronic fingerprinter. And you assign them to the system so that you now know that you're going to set up a date for their, their hearing to see if they qualify. And you give them a card that A, proves they've signed up. And B says, you're free to work until you're called for your hearing. Now, why is that critical? It's critical because then that person comes into the country. We have no jails. They go straight into America. They disperse to wherever they want to go. The government has no expense whatsoever. No cops that are involved. And the 53% of the public, of the, of, of the workers in, for example, the agricultural sector who are undocumented, Mm -hmm. All can go back to work, mm -hmm. which I got to tell you is going to be great news to the dairy farmers. It's going to be great news to the pig farmers. It's going to be great news to the butchers in Utah. It's going to be great news to the Salinas Valley here in California. So with that little card, you now can have a job and you can pay taxes. And so you take something that's costing you a fortune and you turn it into something that makes money mm -hmm. for us because those taxes. And by the way, if we end up throwing them out of the country, I'll give them a refund of their taxes maybe. Or maybe not. I'm not sure. It depends on what the tax was collected for. Well, they don't do that now. I mean, a lot no, of, of a lot of our undocumenteds are paying into our Social Security administration, and they they don't have any hope. They'll never get it. No, now. of course not. It's, a, it's in, a in fact, in fact, it's sort of being bolstered by those people. I understand. My point is, yeah, isn't this a great solution? Yeah. It makes you billions of dollars instead of costing you tens of billions. It allows the families to stay together from the minute they cross the border because there's no reason to split them up. The families are all together. It gives them a way to have a legitimate occupation. It's the a short-term green card. You don't have to worry about losing them because you got biometrics on them. I think it's a great idea, but you have to shift the whole way you, you interpret these people, these individuals, the quotes, bad hombres that, that they're being, it, the rhetorically being characterized. It starts with that, but I got to tell you, and I'm discouraged to say this, more gets done in this country because people think, that, think their wallets are being affected than their spiritual core. That's true. Okay? 
So everybody knows how wrong this is. I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess 80% of the public is grossly offended by this. Doing nothing about it, by the way, mm -hmm. but grossly offended. That doesn't move them. But if you tell them you're going to save them tens of billions of dollars and you're going to make them billions on the other side, that's going to impress them. Plus, it's going to do one other thing. It's going to bring all the employers onto our side of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Did you see the, the walkout at Wayfair, by the way? No, what happened? The Wayfair, 500 Wayfair employees walked out because Wayfair is selling furniture to detention centers, to the migrant detention centers. And oh. they are protesting their company being involved in any way Good. selling selling furniture to Good for them. Yeah. So I just thought God that was an interesting them. So there is some activity. People some people are doing some I, things. I'm, I'm you know, people think I read everything. It's now proven that I don't because I didn't <laughs> read that story, but I love that story. <laughs> so here's my point. If you say to people in America, and I'm specifically thinking of the vast number of Republicans who are in the agricultural sector, the vast number of Republicans who own manufacturing facilities the vast number of Republicans who own dairy farms and farms. I'm saying, look, we can take your labor shortage, which is getting critical. Last year in California alone, we plowed under over $13 million worth of crops just because we didn't have enough labor to pick them. And it's going to get worse this year. Okay. Now, instead of traumatizing people, instead of going to this incredible tens of billions of dollars spent on the border, and in fact, reducing our security, because the remember, homeland, <laughs> homeland security is about protecting us from the Russians. It's about protecting us from cyber attacks. It's, a tech, it, it's about all those issues. And that, to me, isn't going to happen if no. you've got all their people tied up doing silly arresting and, of children. And by the way, you know, the, the, just the idea that we're stopping drugs from coming across the border, no. it's, it's, that's, not, that's being impacted very negatively because all of the resources are fo focused on these poor people who are just, you know... Yeah, well, no, actually, it's... In, it, it, it's, it's very it's, low-level... Just refugees me, are coming across the border. Let me rephrase this. What they're doing is they're taking the guards away from the ch the hen house so the foxes have easier access. Oh, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's crazy. opening up the borders for, of course it for, is, for illicit, all the illegal illicit being. trade. Yeah. Organized illicit. Organized illicit trade, exactly. One guy on two feet with his kid, that's, that's yeah. what they're after instead of a billion dollars worth right. of cocaine. Yeah. Okay, enough of that. So let me just tell you real quickly where I would go. One other thing I would say, since I mentioned uh, Julian Castro last night's performance, uh, when he was talking, and I couldn't agree with him more, and I'm glad that I'm guessing uh, Senator Warren, yeah. Senator um, uh, Sanders, I think, I'm not sure about Senator Kobachar. No, uh, but, but at least those two I know, and, and I believe um, Senator um, Booker. All agreed yeah, to, that, to get rid of that, that section the, the 1325. Criminal, it shouldn't be a criminal act when they no. come across the border. It should be okay. How do we deal with these people? And the answer is you create a system in the civil law so that you have legitimate asylum hearings. You let them go into wherever they're going to go in society because you're not going to be able. It's going to be very easy to track them. You yeah. got their fingerprints. You got their iris scans. And you let them go to work. Oh, and by the way, you have their employers report when they show up there because you got a number yeah. on them now. Do you know that in fiscal year 2018, these these federal criminal cases made up 34.4% of the total federal caseload? Yeah, I'm, of course. And, and it's going to be higher this year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's insane on every level. It's immoral, which is where I started. It's uneconomic, which is where I went. And it's actually impeding our ability to repair our economy. And last but not least, we need immigrants to come here and frankly, clean the toilets. We need them to change the beds. We need them to be butchers, and as I said, in Utah. We need them to be willing to do the hard work in farming. We need to do a lot of things that the American public, for whatever reason, hasn't been willing to do. And as de Blasio said last night on the, in, in the, at the debate, if anybody who thinks that an immigrants stole your job, they didn't steal your job, 
the big corporation stole your job. The one percenter stole your job, not the immigrants. They're taking the jobs you don't want. They're going begging those jobs. Now, I want to point out one other thing about Union Cosper they said last night, which I, as you know, I've been a fan of for a long time. Uh, we did a lot of work around here many years ago about the Marshall Plan. And what we, what we put out is a plan we call the Global Marshall Plan. We think there should be a Marshall Plan for the whole world. And we think it'd be the best thing that the Americans could do economically for America. Castro has now applied it specifically to those triangle of countries, Honduras, Nicaragua, and um, Guatemala. Those three, the triangle countries, need to be looked at as places where we work with capital and ingenuity to resolve the crisis down there that's affecting those three nations and causing people to fear for their lives and come here. If we solve the problem there, no one's going to leave their home village if they can survive, grow their corn, and not be worried about being shot or raped. So what we got to do is solve that problem. That's what's, That's why they're coming here. Because we've, and, and what, what Trump has done, this administration, which is insane, is he cut their money off instead of investing even heavier. Mm-hmm. Castro is saying, and he's absolutely right, we need a Marshall Plan for Latin America. And by the way, do you know the biggest bankruptcy in the history of Latin America just happened last week? And it happened because of a company that has been engaged in corruption for years. Part of the corruption they engaged in led to the election of Bolasaro. It's an interesting story. I won't go into it too deeply, but just to let you know that we need a Marshall Plan to rebuild Latin America and Central America, and we need to turn all of the Americas, including North America, which is Canada, back into our allies and our friends. Mm-hmm. We have been driving them apart, and the result is democracy has been falling apart down in Latin America. It's becoming more and more autocratic. The Cadillos are coming back in Brazil. The, um, the, the, the strongmen are, are ascendant in Nicaragua, in Guatemala, in Honduras. So if we attack this as a just a business problem, which of course it's more than that, it's a morality problem, which is why we should do it. But this is a business problem. We could get filthy rich doing the right thing here, helping Latin America. That's what we did to Japan and, and to Europe, and it worked brilliantly, and it would work brilliantly again. So I just want to urge everybody, realize there's so much we can do. And what, what set me off was... I kept reading for the last couple of days in the New York Times that Trump was saying, well, if the Congress would give me $4.5 billion to you know, pay for the soap and the toothbrushes, then I would be okay. He doesn't want the money for that. He's got plenty of money for soap and toothbrushes. By the way, I think they just passed that. The, the Democratic House just agreed to the Republican plan, the $4.2 billion. But are, they, are there any constraints on it to make sure he doesn't spend it for I more enforcement? I don't think so. I think, I think uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi... Caved again? Went, 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 went along with uh, Mitch McConnell at, against the progressive part of the caucus. Oh, my goodness. Once again, I got a bone to pick with Nancy Pelosi. Nancy. That just happened this afternoon. So. Oh, that's I'm so sad. Okay, so let's keep going, okay? I think the next biggest thing we got to talk about, because it's huge and it's happening today, is we got to talk about the China trade war. So the China trade war has already hurt us. Uh, by yeah. some statistics, the two states that have been the most adversely affected by the trade war of in the United States and um, uh, California and and Tennessee, Tennessee Tennessee is a giant place for bringing cars into the country. In in California, you have a tremendous amount of electronics, you know, iPhones and the like. And I think Illinois uh, and Georgia are not far behind. Oh, yeah. No, everybody's getting hurt. I, I think, and I think, what, what was it last month? It was like eight, an average of $800 per person in the United States. 
has, you know, we've, we're paying more for our goods than the average, like $800 a year. You know, you're, okay, what you're talking about is what is the cost of the tariff in dollars to the average, con, the average, average person? person yeah. And actually, there are two assessments. One is the, um, the New York Fed study, which was the number you're thinking, $831. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other one, which was done by trade partners worldwide, says it could be as high as $2,389. I think the truth is somewhere in between. Okay. Probably closer to fifteen hundred. Why and, can't we get the? And exact... this doesn't this doesn't go with you know. I mean, right now they're threatening more more tariffs yeah, on Chinese he's, goods. He's, today's, today's more on Indian on Indian goods. More on. I mean, they, well, take China first. China, yeah. Trump saying, well, maybe I won't do twenty five percent on three hundred billion. I'll do ten percent on six hundred billion. I mean, he's like a child <laughs> in the playground. I mean, this guy is just. Nancy, would you please do your constitutional duty? I mean, this is nuts. There's no constraints on this man. And he's destroying the country. He's destroying our reputation internationally. He's destroying our ability to have allies. And there's no end in sight. Um, but, but back to the numbers. So we're, we, because of our uh, passenger vehicles that we import, because of automatic data processing equipment, phones, electronic equipment, cellular networks, uh, all, kind, uh, all kind, kinds of issues, we are paying probably certainly over $1,000 per person for Trump's silly tariffs. Now, what's really interesting is, in the case of the farmers, he's actually paying out 130% of the tariffs we collect. Right. Which is kind of bodacious. So he takes a dollar away from a farmer because he won't let him sell a soybean to China, mm-hmm. and he gives him $1.30. That's not, a good, that's not a, actually a really good... Economic model. No, it's That's not a sustainable. Very bad economic. It's not a sustainable economic it's model. It's just not, and it's just so crazy. And I understand why he's doing it because he wants to buy voters in the Midwest. But I, my my he's, my he's sense is voters. it's not working. Yeah. That it, first of all, farmers are a little more honest than that. They don't want to be put on the dole. And, 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 get, and I, yeah, I don't think they, they they do not appreciate having to take handouts. They'd much rather work. Yeah, except for agribusiness, which of course would take anything they can get. But I do believe that the. That the, that the tariffs have been extremely bad for the U.S. They've been very bad for China. We'll come to Buddy India in a second. But what's fascinating to me about the tariffs, he's over there today. This, this, this show is being done on what, June 26th today? June 27th. 27th today. Um, the, and so he's over there at the G20, got there yesterday. And he's either going to get a deal with Z or he's not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons why he would take a dive if he could. Like if he could get a face-saving deal like he got... When he, when he declared NAFTA debt and then he negotiated a deal that was just like NAFTA. USMCA. NAFTA. Yeah, USMCA. Um, you know, if he could do something face-saving with the Chinese, if they could figure out a way to give them like a Pyrrhic victory, they'd be happy as clams. Mm-hmm. And so would he, by the way. The problem is, the guy is not that smart, so he's dug himself into, he's painted himself into a corner so tight, I don't think the Chinese can even let him out. And the other thing is, why would they after they just, just saw him fold again? Okay, so the drone was clearly shot down over international waters. We know for a couple of reasons. One, that's where the wreckage was recovered, and those things don't keep flying when they've been hit by a missile. I can tell you, they drop out of the sky like a rock. Okay, so if it drops straight down, it's in Iranian waters. It was shot in Iranian territory, airspace. Number two, the Russians have confirmed it. Number three, the Iranians published the exact coordinates, and the U.S. government has not disagreed with those coordinates. Mm-hmm. So they've given you the exact point in the sky. And when that's they probably hit. why he actually sh- did not. Uh, enforce the strike or did not? No, I don't think so. I think what happened is, uh, you're giving him too much credit. No, what happened is somebody got to him, maybe Mitch McConnell said, do you realize if you have a war in your hands, no way you're going to win in 2020. Mm. 
So you can't afford a war. Look what the war in Iraq did to Bush. Look what the, you know, you go on and on. Look what happened to his, Bush's father. So you, you, you can't get tagged with a war in Iran. In the case of Bush's father, he got tagged with, um, with an economy that wasn't his, of his making. Right. You know? so, so it's like he doesn't want to get caught with something that somebody like Mitch McConnell would say, there's no coming back from that, Mr. President. He, even I can't save you from that one. So somehow somebody got to him and said, the political calculation that you're making is insane. For you. That's all you needed to hear. Now, we know for a fact, because it's official government policy, that every time the generals go in and ask for permission to strike something, they have to give casualty estimates as part of the initial presentation. So he heard the 150 people were going to die when he first said yes. Several hours later, he flipped, not because the generals came back to him, because they would know off. If he said to the general, how many casualties? As we said this morning here, uh, Mr. President, 150. I mean, it was like top of mind. Mm -hmm. The tip of his tongue would have been there. So what happened was he made up the story, lied again, so he'd have cover in his own mind for why he called off the strike, which looks very similar to other times when he's gone up to the wall, lied, and bluffed and failed. Mm -hmm. North Korea comes to mind. Okay, I can think of a few other things. Well, the Mexican tariffs just the, the, Mexican other, just tariffs. the other week. Yeah, Mexican tariffs uh, would be a very good example. Mexican and Canadian both. Right. Okay, so... We are still this rogue elephant that the world is afraid of at this point, that we're flailing around, that we can run over huts in the village. So they're scared to death of us, but they're certainly not supporting us. And I'm going to come to a story in this show today which has massive implications to the future of the economy of the United States and the free world. And I'm going to tie that to this level of stupidity. And I want to come back to that because it's going to be where I'd like to end the show today. So... Let's talk a bit about where we are in terms of uh, the jobs report. Our economic indicators. Yeah. So last year, um, we saw a slowdown from the 250,000 a month job increases that were coming through from consistently through the last few years of the Obama administration. And um, then it settled down to a pattern of about 183,000. And that's understandable because the, you know, the more employees you have, the, the harder it is to keep dropping the number and to keep the same number of new jobs coming through. Fair enough. I want to point out that those jobs were minimum wage jobs. Uh, they did not raise either the living standard of most people. Raising the minimum wage raised the living standard of a lot of people, but not... Right, and, and wages in general were Not very, general. very, very small flat. Very, very increases. flat. And, and, and so what happened there was that the people who benefited the most in the last nine months are the people who lived in those states and cities uh, where the minimum wage, like New Jersey raised it to $15 a few months ago. Uh, Seattle started it, okay? Uh, California bumped it and has got a second bump programmed in. Um, so that goes directly into people's pockets, and that gets spent immediately. I mean, that ends up at, you know, Happy Meals at McDonald's and uh, rice from Costco. I mean, people who are living paycheck to paycheck. They spend everything they earn. They spend every penny because they're, they're below survival. They're, they're literally below poverty line. Now, that job report coming out, and I said in the last show we did last month, I said, you know, I don't trust the numbers I'm seeing. Yeah, for April or May. I think it was being reported at 263,000. And it was, it was at least 40,000. Overstated. Right. They, they revise it down. Yeah, which is not a small miss. Yeah. 40,000 isn't like a rounding error. So that was the first thing. And then when you see this jobs report that just came out, 75,000 jobs. That is absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, that's less than the, what they call fr employment friction. So when somebody 
leaves their job. Either they quit or they get fired. And they go find a new job in a full employment economy where you assume all the job is there. The amount of time to go from one to the other is, is the friction, is the mm -hmm. period of time you okay. are unemployed. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time, you're looking. And when you get that new job, you go into the new job count, even though you got fired maybe a week ago. So that 75,000 literally is smaller than the friction number, which means it's probably not net new jobs. Right. Right? It's relocation really? jobs. And may not even be all of the jobs. It might be a net loss. It might be a net loss. And you won't know for months if it was. But it tells me that our prediction was correct. I will stand by it. In fact, I'll tell you, the unemployment rate is going to continue to go up now. It's going to be accompanied by a continuing decrease in consumer confidence, which, by the way, if you notice, just fell right. strong way. I think you know? it's the, now that the lowest rate since 2017. Yeah, and it's and it's going to go lower. Mm -hmm. That's it's just starting to go the down. Feeling is yeah, because what's happening is that people are they're getting past the happy talk and the G8 thing's great, and we can ignore all the stuff that we don't like because it's like I'm doing just fine. Well, they're not doing so fine. In fact, I think I saw a statistic yesterday or the day before that. Total debt, consumer debt, hasn't gone down. It's going sideways at best. We know that the, the, the stock market's been going sideways. In fact, let me give some statistics on that real quick while I got, I got this stomach going. Um, okay, there it is. If you look at the um, economic indicators, so for the period of time when we first did our recommendation to buy gold, which was June of 2018, um, the price of gold was at twelve forty-two. We then, in October, said, "Oops!" Even though the price of gold has gone down a little bit, it went from twelve forty-two to twelve twelve, which is not significant; it's less than one percent. Um, we're going to double down, get out of the stock market now, mm -hmm. and heavy up on gold. And if you had fifteen percent in your portfolio, think of going twenty to twenty-five percent gold. In January twenty nineteen, that turned out to be smart because the gold went up to one two seven eight. But in June, we just came through, it's now over 1400 So what's been the difference since October of last year? 164% increase in the price of gold. Thanks, folks. Well, You're welcome. $164 uh, dollars higher. It's a 13%. Yeah, it's a, okay, 13%. 13% change. Yeah, excuse me, 13% <laughs> I meant $164. Yeah. But my point is that, that that $164 would compare with, in the same period of time, that the stock market basically went sideways. Right. Okay. It would take, uh, and if you go back to June 27th, the Dow Jones is up 10%, gold's up 13. If you look at the S&P 500 from June 8, 2018, up 8%, gold up 13. And I won't even talk about oil because oil's going up for other reasons. And by the way, the oil companies are ecstatic about what's going on in Iran. They right. are so happy yeah. they can barely see straight. And so are the Russians and so are the Saudis. So all the people that you want to like in the world are all really happy about the, the price of oil. The net exporters. And, and we're paying through the nose. So I wanted to um, make those uh, observations. Uh, I also wanted to point out that I continue to be extremely negative on silver. That won't change. It's too easily manipulated. Um, silver prices have been sliding since January, which doesn't surprise me because smart people know silver is going to be played with. And so even though gold's going up, so people always ask me, gee, isn't silver the cheaper way to buy gold? And the answer is no. They're radically different technologies. We've talked about that in the past, radically different investment mm -hmm. strategies. Don't buy silver, ever. Don't, don't ever buy silver, unless it's a, a present for someone you like, you know, or a ring or something. Right, sure. <laughs> something attractive you nice can wear. Pair, for a pair of earrings, but Great not an investment. Great for a pair of earrings, but not an investment. Now let's go to um, Treasury. 
So you've heard us talk in the past about, by the way, this is all going to lead to my conclusion of what you should do, but treasuries. So we talked about the inverted yield curve. My goodness, it's getting so inverted. It's, it's becoming almost disassociated. So here's the numbers today. Six months is at 2.12%. The two-year below that, which it should be above that, is 1.77. And the 10-year is 2.05. This is such an upside-down calculation because it's telling me that the risk I take over 10 years is greater yeah. than the risk I take over six months, worst, which actually is worst makes, bet. <laughs> only makes sense in one, in, if you assume one thing. If you assume what I'm assuming, they're right about the 10-year, mm -hmm. and they're right about the two-year, because mm -hmm. the recession is going to be so bad this year that you, they can't see to give you a yield out that far because right. it looks like it's going to be ugly, and I think it's going to be ugly. And the Fed is t now talking about lowering interest rates. Oh, yeah. Let's, go, we'll look at, let's just talk about that. Poor Mr. Powell, right, the Fed chair. Didn't have, he wasn't famous for having a great spine to begin with. And the, the president, Mr. Trump, can, pummels him like, like one of those whack-a-moles, right? And mm -hmm. He just keeps hitting him over the head with a stick. And so Powell, just to go along, is going to give the president and Mr. Trump whatever he wants, right? And so he's going to push rates down. And you notice the market reacted really favorably. And then the next day, it came back. Now, why did it come back? Because they thought Powell was going to change his mind. No, Powell was just two days ago. Restated. Nope, going to lower rates. It's because it won't make any difference. Right. The market, the, the smart money knows that. The fundamentals are just wrong. And when the fundamentals are wrong and money's worth practically nothing, it still doesn't change anything. And now we're going to come back to that. Remember that sense. When money's worth practically nothing, that's where I'm going to end the show. So I'm going to be talking about Instex, which um, the whole Iranian crisis and how it's going to completely dethrone the United States as the strongest country in the free world, okay? So I want to come back to that in a moment. But before I get there, with inflation flat at 2%, which is the Fed's real job, keep inflation down, it means that the Fed dropping rates will probably not, because the economy is going to keep dropping, probably won't affect inflation, but it also won't affect the economy. Mm -hmm. it, it only works to do that, to create greater liquidity, if there's an underlying demand for liquidity in order to support the fundamental economic activity. Because liquidity without activity is just money sitting around in pools, which is exactly what's wrong right now, and why there's, there's so a lot of money sitting unbelievable around. trillions of dollars sitting right. around uh, because of uh, pension plans that are looking for a place every day. They have more money pours into them. They got to figure out what to invest it. You got sovereign wealth funds. So here's Saudi Arabia, you know, selling oil for fifty-seven, sixty dollars a barrel. It costs them five. Where are they going to put all that money? In the sovereign wealth fund. Um, when you look at um, Russia, sovereign wealth fund is growing. Uh, Norway's sovereign wealth fund is growing dramatically. So when you look at all these different things, you go, hmm. So the underlying fundamentals aren't good, so the cash is building up in the hands of basically private equity players, hedge funds, and pension funds. So we have a real problem right now because they don't know where to go to get a yield, and they can't go to treasuries, which is their normal go-to. And when you can't go to treasuries, normally that pushes the stock market up dramatically. But they can't push the stock market up because the earnings aren't there. And the fundamentals are bad. And we're looking at a recession for sure by the end of this year. Ain't no question we're going to be in it through all of 2020. I mean, Trump's going to go into an election with a recession on his hands. That's almost, I don't know how he could possibly avoid it at this point. But, you know, if he gets a face-saving deal with China and people believe it, Wall Street's willing to do anything. He's able to keep the keep the ball bouncing for another He, he, he another wouldn't, but months. it would give enough, give enough credibility to Wall Street to be able mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, because Wall Street, the way Wall Street works 
If they can keep the boat, the balloon in the air another minute, they make a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. They can keep it there for a day. It's like $24 billion or $100 billion or a trillion dollars. I mean, it's like they play for time because time is money. Mm -hmm. So if they think they can put together a scenario, because remember, the stock market's about expectations. The price of a share is what you think it's worth tomorrow, not today. When you look at that, you're going to have a very interesting dynamic. And that dynamic's going to say, can Trump create enough artificial artificial information, literally. Fake news. Fake news. To give Wall Street what it needs to keep up fake prices. Mm -hmm. If they can, given, you should give the, forgive the expression. Um, these are... These, and I hate to disparage whores because they're nice people and they're sex workers and they probably are working hard for their money. Wall Street doesn't have any of the things in common with sex workers except they're both whores. Okay. They're, they're prostituting. They're just prostitutes for money. Pure and simple. They're, and, and, and it's time for Wall Street to change and I think it's going to. I, I want to report for just a minute. I'm going to side, digress here. Uh, so I, got, I had the great good fortune to go to the... Uh, just Capital meeting in New York at Mike Bloomberg's offices uh, two weeks ago. And it was a stunning meeting. Uh, we had over $50 trillion represented in the room for that one meeting with 150 people there. When you think of $50 trillion, that's pretty close to the global GDP, which is around wow. 63. So a lot of money in the room. Mm -hmm. And the point of that is... Bloomberg himself, when he spoke, pointed out this system we have built cannot sustain. We have to reform capitalism. That's Mike Bloomberg talking, the ultimate capitalist. And he's right. So there are people on Wall Street, Bloomberg's one of them, Paul Tudor Jones is one of them, I could list at least two or three dozen more, who realize this game can't go on much longer. And the longer we take to address the underlying fundamental problems, the harder it's going to be to fix, oh, and maybe it's going to get out of control. And those people on the street, which is still the majority, who believe Marie Antoinette was correct when she said, let them eat cake, should read the last chapter of how that book ended. Oh, yes. I think she lost her head and I over think, that yeah, one. Yeah, the pitchforks are going to come out at some yes, point. Yes, and yes, yes. And, and what's going to cause that to unwind will be the declining economy, right. which is going to be further accelerated by, of course, this silly tariff war. I, mentioned, I said I would mention India briefly. The impact of tariffs on India really are um, less pronounced than there are with those impacts on China. Why? Because for a series of reasons, India did not was not able to create the same economic miracle for its middle class that the Chinese did. And in the case of the Indian middle class, what really buoyed it was less government interactions until Modi got there than it really was. Um, the fact that Indian labor became so valuable in the tech markets. So India is a story of modern technological supremacy. They're just the second most capable country in the world, I think, after the U.S. And they're certainly right up there with uh, China and, and Russia. Mm -hmm. But they have a much broader base of technology capability than either and, Russia or China. Right. And they're English speakers. They're English speakers. So um, they can play in the, in the rest of the world economy and, in ways that... that Chinese. Exactly. And what Modi did, because he ran on a program, and you notice he had a smashing victory. Yeah, yeah. Massive victory. Massive victory. And we people said, oh, is he going to get reelected? Maybe not, you know, because yeah. it was BJP party. Overwhelming. Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. Largest yeah. democracy in the world. Over 100 million people voted. And he was an overwhelming victory. And the reason is that what he did as well, he saw the tech sector growing and generating lots of revenues for India. 
he realized that if he didn't do something fast for the people on the bottom, it wouldn't stick. Because India is a very unstable democracy, as you know. So what he did is a series of moves that he took tremendous heat for originally. Remember, this is a guy that wrote on the uh, topic of toilets before temples. Yes. This is what he ran on. Okay. So to him, a toilet meant, let's put our money into sanitation. Let's make lives easier at the bottom of the economic ladder. The, probably the number one thing he did is created an universal payment system direct by individual identification to the recipient, which then cut out about 70% of the graph yeah, in between. I think, I think we actually talked a little bit about we that did. last month. We talked about right. that. We also talked, I think, about the idea that he had for his, um, why he was funding microgrids at the village level because he was aware that they would never get the wire. And so he started doing that. He has created, um, slowly, but he has created new relationships for India, commercial relationships, with a wider variety of potential uh, partners. Mm -hmm. In all of that, he's balanced trying to grow the bottom bottom. So see, what China tried to do is take people off the farms, put them in the cities, and grow the cities from poverty up to middle class. That was the Chinese method, which you can do when you control the company with the country with one party. What India is doing, which you can't do as easily as China because he doesn't have a monolithic government, is he took and said, okay, I got to fix, help the poorest of the poor, so to speak. And then I got to help the guys who are making all the money in tech. And in between, the middle class will benefit as it fills in. Mm -hmm. In other words, the middle class will benefit from an increase in consumer economy, which turned out to be exactly right. And people started feeling that. Even though there are more suicides today in India due to climate change, uh, farmers, than there have been ever in history, um, that's because of climate change. And there's only so much Modi can do about climate change. So, uh, and I think he understands that. And I know he's trying to get off of coal, but there are fewer ways for him to do that yeah. than other countries. Yeah. So that's the touch on India. So, okay, what does that leave me? China, I think China's going to grow for all of 2019 at about um, real numbers, probably 3% to 4%. They'll probably pretend it's 5 to 6 mm -hmm. They may even lie and say it's 7 but it isn't. India could very well grow at, at a real 5%. The U.S. will be flat, or meh, might be up 2%, 1% or 2%, but it's on the way down. That It was higher. It was up to 35 was projected up as recently as two months ago. We said, that's phony. It ain't going to happen. And now every economist in the country is backing off those numbers. So when you look at who's making headway, it's India, who's losing ground slightly, China, but still, you know, we'd love to have their growth rate here. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I could get a 3 5% growth rate in America, that'd be phenomenal. And of course, America going down. Germany has skated along the thin edge, but has stayed out of recession. Um, and they're getting hurt very badly by our tariffs now. Um, France has not been able to recover itself. Italy's still a basket case. Most of Northern Europe is in good shape. So what we're talking about is how our allies have been hurt by our conduct, how the world's been destabilized. And in the process, it's harder and harder to protect your money. So what do you do with your money? And then I want to end up with this topic I mentioned earlier that I was going to talk about, about Iran and, and what's, what, what you well, need to pay attention to. Do you want to talk about... The cryptocurrency? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I mean, that's sure. one thing. They, yeah. If you don't so, trust the dollar, you don't trust these okay. fiat currencies any well, longer, yeah. what are you going to do? Okay, so let's talk about Libra because it was announced today. Yes, the, uh, this, last this week. month. Yeah, this last week. Okay, so I'm against Libra. Why am I against Libra? Two reasons. And by the way, notice that Bitcoin went shot up for like a day or two, and then mm -hmm. it came back down. Yeah. You know why I shot up? People thought, well, Facebook's going to be doing cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies must be cool. And then somebody, after they got through their second 
shot of whiskey at the bar, sobered <laughs> up and said, but wait a minute, that would be direct competition to Bitcoin. <laughs> if you had to pick between Bitcoin or Facebook, who's going to win that battle? Facebook. So all of a sudden, they say, oh, maybe that was not smart. And it's not smart because Bitcoin is, is yesterday's news and ain't going to happen. Okay. Anybody wants to buy Bitcoin, short sell Bitcoin, folks. No, I'm just kidding. You shouldn't short sell because you don't know what you're doing. But, but guys like me are seriously <laughs> going to think about short selling Bitcoin. Okay. Now, you don't want to put your money in Libra. That, that cryptocurrency has many inherent flaws. I continue to think there are cryptocurrencies that do verticals. And we've talked about them on this show. I'm not going to go into that right now. That can be independently validated as having economic value. And therefore, they will not only survive, but prosper. That ain't Libra. What Libra was, was an attempt by Zuckerberg, who I guess, although he doesn't show it clearly all the time, must have some form of megalomania. I mean, really, I mean, he already controls, what, three and a half, four billion users on the planet? That's half the population of the planet. It's insane. And, and, and a guy who said, basically, trust me with your data, I won't harm you, is now saying, trust me with your money. I don't know how that's going to play. <laughs> I think people ought to look at that carefully. He's like creating an entire parallel universe. He's, 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 he's creating a parallel payment system. Mm -hmm. That's important because he's correct. Uh, I've said it on this show and other people have said it. You want to have an alternative to the U.S. greenback. Okay? But that alternative isn't going to be Libra. Why? Because even the European uh, Central Bank, the ECB, has already said no matter what we do in America, they're not going to give this a green light. They're not going to give this a pass. They're going to basically hold Libra to the same standards as other forms of banking. Now, if you notice why Facebook succeeded, as did Google and other tech companies, tech giants, is not, there was no regulation of them whatsoever, right? So they were allowed to do whatever they want. They were making money like the Wild West and no one seemed to care. And so all, everything was great, rosy. With Libra, the day that it was announced, all the bankers went to work with the green eye sheets. And they said, hmm, we better kill this one before it cuts out of the cradle. <laughs> we're going to get this one before it leaves the cradle, literally. So what they did is they issued a statement last week, within days after Libra was announced, saying, we have formed a special study group to see what the appropriate regulatory response would be to something which basically has inherent characteristics similar to the banking system, except it tends to avoid central banks. Mm -hmm. Now, the people who wrote that are all central bankers. Right. But is it, is it partly because they're threatened? Because if you of get, if, I mean, it's a whole, if you create an entire different of paradigm of, of, of value yeah. that, uh, that gets rid of the central banks. It's, it's an alternative to fiat currency. It's an existential threat to... Well, it's an existential threat to the current monetary order. Yeah. But the bigger existential threat is Trump. Oh, yeah. Because he's already destabilized it so bad that things like Libra are knocking on the door. Worse than that, because he's destabilized it, and this is where I wanted to go at the beginning of the show. I was talking about this thing that happened with Iran. So Iran shot down a drone, which was clearly in international water. And we know that because the when you hit a, hit a drone with a rocket, and it falls into the sea, it doesn't fly 100 miles or 10 miles before it falls. It just falls straight down like a rock, because mm -hmm. at that point it ain't flying. It stops its forward momentum and the, 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 falls the, out of the sky. Falls out of the sky. And the wreckage was found in Iranian territorial waters, number one. Number two, the Russians confirmed with satellite data the drone was where they said it was when they hit it. And they must have been pretty good at shooting, because they didn't hit the P-38 that was also flying there with passengers. So they must have known what they were doing. Number three, the Iranians released the precise coordinates of where the drone was when they hit it, and the U.S. government has not been able to contradict that, which means our satellite photos probably agree with the Russians. So the Iranians shot down this thing in international, in over Iranian airspace, not international. 
That's point one. Point two, why did they do it? They're trying to send a message. And the message is, okay, you walked out of the, out of the Iran, Iranian agreement, okay? We've been patient now with Europe, trying to get them to make up for what you bad guys did. We haven't seen anything. You haven't done anything yet. So we're a little concerned, and we're going to start doing things to upset the rest of the global economy. And we'll show you we can even take on the United States with one of its most highly priced technologies, drones. That thing was flying, I believe, at 50,000 feet of altitude when they hit it. Super high. Super and it high. was one and a half billion dollars, something like that. Oh, they're with, expensive. Yeah. yeah. Or 130. I don't know. Yeah. To so, look it up. But. So my point is in all that, with, with, with them acting out the way they are, uh, what you're going to find is that the Iranians are putting tremendous pressure on the Europeans to come up with a deal. Now, just to give you some idea that the sanctions are already leaking, right now, today as we speak, China took about 580,000 barrels of oil yeah. a day from Iran. They've been buying it directly. They've been buying directly, and they've been buying it in renminbi, and that's important, because the story I'm going to tell is about the end of the greenback as the global reserve currency, which is what we've talked about on the show before. You can now see the handwriting on the wall, because what, what Iran is doing is the Iranians are forcing the Europeans to pick up the pace on creating that alternative. Okay, So how are they doing that? Well, what they're saying to the Europeans is create a barter <coughs> system. And uh, I'm looking for my notes on this, but the barter system they're creating, uh, which I want to, it's called in. I had the word. It's, it's the um, I-N... Instex. Instex. I-N... S-T-E-X. Yes, right, Instex. Yes. And Instex is the um, first time that the Europeans have announced that they will permit Iranian oil to be bought through Instex, which, by the way, is, I love this, <laughs> registered in France. I just love it. Macron is, <laughs> you know, the French are very creative. Anyway, so Instex is a barter system. And what they're doing is they're saying, by the way, um, I think this has gone on with Russia secretly, too. Russia's been buying Iranian oil and reselling it as Russian, making money on the market, okay, because you can buy Iranian oil cheap. Um, and it's, you know, no one's going to stop Russia from doing that. No one's going to stop China from buying it in renminbi. But if you buy it through the barter system being put out as instex, here's what happens. You get a situation where the oil is paid for with pharmaceuticals, food products. Kind of a barter system. It's a barter system, okay. That, you can't buy a million barrels a day of that. Mm -hmm. But you can buy a whole lot. There's a super tanker that just pulled into a Chinese port yesterday with, a, I think it's 2 million barrels of oil. It's a super, super tanker. There was a million barrels of oil in a tanker that docked less than a week ago. So <clears throat> you can move a lot of oil. But I don't believe that Instex, in, Instex, Instex, I-N-S-T-E-X, I don't think it's going to be able to produce enough volume to bring the Iranians back to where they were before the sanctions. But here's the worst part. It's going to give the Iranians and the Europeans a way out of the box. And what the American government is doing is forcing the Iranians and Europeans to create a system that ignores the U.S. dollar. Right, to circumvent. To circumvent the greenback the as the reserve currency. And what that means, when they succeed, and they're going to, they are going to succeed because everybody in the world now is against the bully in the West. And they, the Europeans, had to choose between do we trust and want to work with the Iranians or do we trust and want to work with the Americans? And the answer is they're going to work with the Iranians. Well, that's a really sad yeah. state of yeah. affairs. And that's a complete reversal of where we were just two years ago. Mm -hmm. But that's where we are. I'm going to say that uh, between Instex, the purchase by Remimbi, the phony barter deals going on through Russia, together are going to probably absorb, I'm going to say, at least a million to a million and a quarter barrels per day. 
Now, when Iran was at its peak pumping, it was pumping about two and a half million barrels a day. So that amount of oil is 50% of their total oil volume. But, or and, the oil selling for more now than it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. So part of the decrease in oil volume is going to be made up by increase in oil prices. And the more we screw around with Iran, the, the higher, higher the that price, price will go because yeah. the oil companies are using that as an excuse to push the price of oil up. Now, are we short of oil? No, as it turns out, we are absolutely overflowing with oil in this country. We have more oil. We know what to do I with this country. we are now a, like with the, the biggest exporter. Yes, Export One country. Of them. Yeah, that'll change pretty soon, though, because the number of rigs are dropping. Mm -hmm. The way fracking works is as soon as you close the rig, it, you can start another one pretty quick, but it, they also yeah. go out of business quicker. Well, they only last about two or three years. Yeah, I because mean, they pump real fast. Pump, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. break the ground up and yeah. take it out. Okay, so we're, I guess we have to wrap up pretty soon. Um, so let me just leave you with this thought, folks. What I would do is I would continue accumulating gold. And for those of you who asked, and one customer, one of our uh, listeners called in or sent us a, a note asking, now that it's gone this high, should I sell it? Yes, I, sell it? I think that's and what he answer, said. And the answer is no. No, no. In Hang fact, on to it. Go buy, buy some more. more. Buy more. Buy more. It's you've you've only begun to see the run up for two reasons. One, the instability that Trump continues to inject into the global political system. The instability that Trump is injecting in the Iranian situation. The likelihood that Powell will continue to do what Trump wants will further erode the U.S. economy. The elimination of the greenback as the reserve currency, even if it's just by chipping away at it, is going to have a negative it'll impact. It'll devalue the dollar ultimately. Deva ultimately, it'll devalue it. And the inverted yield curve cannot be defied. It's gravity. So the jury's not out anymore. <clears throat> Smart money, which is the bond market, is saying you're going to have a problem within six months to a year. I agree with that. That's about right. In fact, I'd say maybe three months to a year. But we're all on the same page. You know, month here and there don't matter. Number two, it's saying <clears throat> we don't see how <clears throat> you come out of this problem for the next 10 years if you get into what we think you're going to get into. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been saying on the show. So what else can you do with your money? Well, as we've always said over and over again, I'm going to remind you, if you got a credit card debt, pay it off. It's the most expensive debt you can have. If you have debt that is in any way um, variable, Get what you could fixed, on your house. Get a fixed loan. Get a fixed loan fast. Well, things are there. Get yourself. In other words, even though the Trump mispronounced it, the expression is locked and loaded, not cocked and loaded. He got that wrong. Although, you know, he also got wrong the name of the of the, okay, yeah. of the, of the leader of Iran. No. He thought he was putting a sanction, he said on television, on Ayatollah Khomeini, who's been dead for 30 years, instead of Ayatollah Khomeini. So, I mean, we're talking about somebody with less than limited intelligence. Well, and, and a very limited attention span. A really short attention span and Ever absolutely smarties. venal attitude about data and his own aggrandizement. Yeah. So what you want to do, folks, is I told you it's going to get bad. It's getting bad. It's going to get worse, much, much worse. So what you want to do is be very, very defensive. If you have a specific thing that you think you could invest in, let me give you an example. If you're looking at your town where you live in and you think you can take the house you're living in and switch it to a duplex so you can rent a unit in the back and also own the one in the front, do it with fixed debt. Now's the time. If you're thinking about um, <clears throat> investing in anything that's basic in the economy, and I don't mean silver, but something basic in the economy would be, do you, well, don't, you can't do copper because copper goes up and down in price as the economy goes up and down. But <clears throat> if you think, for example, you are going to need... Uh, 12 months of something in your business, put the money there. Get it out of the way before everything gets crazier. 
Uh, if you think you can put... What about food rations? Should we stock up on... Uh, well, there's a, there's an argument to be made that uh, for a number of reasons we canned should. Canned goods. And, well, and one of the reasons is if you look at the wettest year in the history of the Midwest, since records were kept in 1895, was this year. Yeah. So if you had food rations to your house in Omaha, Missouri, Arkansas, Illinois, North Dakota, South Dakota, and some parts of Ohio, and certainly Louisiana, that would have been a good investment because you'd have something to eat when... FEMA can't get to you. And with the inability of this government to respond to crisis when it happens on the ground, having a little extra water and food on board for the yeah. five to seven days that you might be alone is not a bad thing. I'll give you another one. If you haven't put solar on your roof, go do it right now. You can get it 100% fan finance. You can get it unfixed. You can do it as a lend lease. You can do it as a, loose, a lease purchase arrangement where you don't put up any cash. And you'll be saving money for the next 25 years. And that cash will be producing a return for you, which is going to be three, four times greater than it could be if you put it into a bank. So all of these things are available to you, but you have to think outside the box and you have to think defense, defense, defense. Mm -hmm. Don't think offense. You don't want to bet on good times just around the corner because they're not. What you want to bet on is bad times just around the corner because they are. And once you batten down those hatches, let other people get wiped out of this coming issue of recession. Let's not you do it because you're listening to this program and, and you know better. And with that, I think we're right up against uh, the clock. Thank you, everybody, for turning on, uh, tuning in. Uh, we're going to do another show next month. There is some suggestion. I think we got some feedback every yeah, two I weeks, think maybe. Every two weeks, if we can, if we can swing it with our schedules, I think it'd be great to do that. Yeah. So we're thinking about doing that. Please, for those of you who have not written us yet, we did receive a number of responses, and thank you for those who did. We're thinking of going to every other week because stuff is happening so fast. And I'll end on this note because I think it's worth. Uh, I think it's worth noting. Odebrecht, which is the company I referred to earlier, the largest bankruptcy in the history of Latin America. It's the company that had all the bribery that went on for years in all these different Latin American countries, which destabilized them so bad, some actually former presidents of whole countries have been indicted over it. Others were the conditions for people like Bolsonaro to come to power in Brazil were, were lubricated. Mm -hmm. Now, we now know that the case against Lula, which I always suspected Lula, the former prime minister of Brazil, was in fact a cooked up job. It was fabricated. It was to fabricated. Get him to discredit him and get him out. Yeah, because he was doing too good a job for the poor. And they wanted to get the control back. And the guy who led that cabal actually is a criminal. I mean, the guy is corrupt. He's taken grab. He was involved in the Odebrecht scandal. And, and, and it's pretty clear to me that uh, the civil institutions in Brazil were not strong enough to withstand that pressure. So I end with this note. If that's Odebrecht, which is just one of a kind, and you look at the amount of corruption in our country, and you look at the amount of favors that get bought, and you look, as Senator Warren says, at the way the whole system is rigged for the 1% and not for the 99% or the bottom 90%. Mm -hmm. If you look at that, you realize we have a challenge bigger than Odebrecht here. And unfortunately, our government is embracing that corruption rather than resisting it. And that's why the economy is in trouble. That's the basic fundamental. Mm -hmm. We've lost our way. And let's all figure out how we can find our way eventually. Probably at the ballot box, I would hope Nancy Pelosi would do her job in the meantime, because we all need to be looking at these issues before they get any worse. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Sorry I don't have better news. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.